gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all the rest of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. May God bless his word as it goes forth today. This was a, a passage that I was um, prayerfully considering when I was supposed to preach at Blairsburg about a month ago. And um, I entitled it, The Poverty of God. And it seems as though, like, what an inappropriate title, perhaps, or anything to say that, that there's poverty in God, um, God of all abundance, God of all, of all gods, whatever, you know, how can God be, be a God of, of, of poverty? And um, there was a time, as we will see later on as we go into this uh, text, that we will see the poverty of God. And so, uh, bear with me in that. So anyway, this particular story here that we have in Luke is also mentioned in Mark as well, uh, very, very sim- similar in, in, in reading. And so it's given to us twice in the, in the Gospels. And as we think about this particular passage, it takes place there in Jerusalem, this is the last week of Jesus' life, so it's right at the end of his ministry here on earth. And he's sitting in the temple, and, and the part of the temple that he's in is in the court of women. And then also in the court of women was where the offering took place. Um, when they erected the temple, uh, this was what Herod uh, did for the Jews to please them. And so it was called the Herod's Temple at this particular time in Jesus' day. And this was a, a portion of the temple where, it would, if you can imagine the sanctuary here, and this would be about the size of the court of women. And then you would go up some steps, and then you, could, you would go into the priest's chambers and, in, and where the altar was, and also into, and into, into the Holy of Holies. And, but this kind of... The court of women kind of preceded uh, that. And it was a place where uh, women could go. Women could not go any further into uh, the temple, so to speak, of. They were only allowed there. Um, and also, uh, when Herod built the temple, um, on, the, on the sides of, of the, the temple was, was, was called the court of Gentiles, where Gentiles could come in and worship God, but they had to stay in, in that particular area. And, uh, and so here, as many people came into this, the court of women, uh, the court of offering, as some would refer it to, um, the priests put up 13 different stations where you could contribute to the treasury of the temple. Six of them were... Uh, uh, <clears throat> were put in there for, uh, for your tithes, or your, what you would call your temple tax or that kind of thing. And the other seven were considered free will offering uh, receptacles. And these receptacles were constructed in such a way that they were kind of cone-shaped on top. And as people put 
coinage in there, you could definitely tell what kind of money they were putting into the temple treasury. And whether or not you were, you know, uh, if you went to the, the tithe box, if you were, they could kind of tell just how the, the, the sound of what was going into that particular container. And here we have here, as Jesus is sitting there watching, he notices it and he takes what's going on. But prior to this, he's, he's, he's concerned <clears throat> about what's taking place there in the temple. He doesn't really like what he sees. Even though it's, it's a temple of worship to God, his Father, he feels like things have been abused. Things have been taken kind of out of context, so to speak, of and, and uh, not good. And he begins there in, in verse 48, says, Beware of the scribes. Beware of the scribes. In other words, he's saying, Beware of the preachers. Beware of these guys. Hey, hey what, isn't this our, you know, our church, so to speak, of? But he's saying, Beware of these preachers, these scribes, who like to walk around in long robes. They love greeting in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at, at the feasts. They like the attention. They, they, they want to be recognized for who they are. They want this, this, this applause from people more than the applause of God. And they're there doing their duty, so to speak, of for the wrong reason. They're not really there to glorify God, but they're there for really to glorify themselves. And Jesus says there's something wrong with that picture. But, you know, this isn't really the first time that Jesus has recognized that. In the early part of his, his ministry, when he was uh, preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he really touched on this. For he says there in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. For when you give to the needy, sound, sound no trumpets before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they are, have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that in your giving may be done in secret, so that your fathers who sees in secret will reward you accordingly. In other words, there was, the scribes there, were they were out for a show. They weren't there to really serve the people. In fact, they, they abused their, their, their authority. There were times when they went to widows who were not paying the temple tax, and they confiscated their house. Totally wrong. But they did it in the name of the law. They did it in the name of what they said was God. But they were wrong. They showed no compassion. They were only concerned about building the treasury bigger and deeper to satisfy themselves. And it had nothing to do with the, with the advancement of God's kingdom. Only their own kingdom. 
And Jesus is very perturbed about that. And rightly so. Rightly so. And as we have seen through the centuries, this practice really has continued on. It has not stopped. I remember uh, uh, <clears throat> reading a documentary on, on Martin Luther. And Martin Luther was very, very concerned of, uh, about the Catholic Church at that particular time of, of how the priests abused their positions as well. And he was very, very concerned about that, and, and rightly so as well, because of how the role of the church was not doing what God called them to do. But it was only for their own self-advancement. And here we have this here, where in, in later in the week where Jesus would come back to this temple and, and cleanse it, so to speak. He would drive out the money changers. He would... Um, said that this house was not a, a den of thieves, but it should be a house of prayer. It should be a house of prayer. And so here, as <clears throat> Jesus addresses this, he's, he's watching as well. And he's watching the rich come in and how they put the, their big coins into these clay pots, these, these boxes, as Scripture says, boxes. And everyone knows how much they're putting in by the sound of the coinage going around before it drops. And here, this poor widow comes in and it says that she put in two mites. If in the coinage in those days, a mite was perhaps the smallest of all coinage. It was our penny, so to speak of. And she had two of them. And the value of those two mites was probably equal to a fourth of a penny or even some said an eighth of a penny, depending on who, you, who what you refer to. But in other words, practically nothing. Less than a penny she gave. And I like to think that it says it's this copper coinage that if it did equal a penny and she put two in, then she gave her two cents worth. And as she gave her two cents worth, so to speak, of Jesus saw that in her heart and commended her for it and said that she actually gave more than all the other combined. Now, if I was the disciple sitting there and Jesus said she gave more then what the rest gave, like they're th- looking at each other and says, Jesus' math isn't too good. And so they wondered, what's going on here? And Jesus really explains it further. He says, <clears throat> For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of the poverty put in all that she had to live on. He says, truly I tell you, truly I tell you, think about that, he says. What I'm about to say is truth. There's no falsehood in that whatsoever. But he says, truly I tell you, she has put more than all of them. And how is that possible? And Jesus goes on to explain, he says, For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put all she had. 
In other words, Jesus wasn't so much concerned about the amount that was going into the treasury. He was more concerned of the attitude and the giving that was being displayed. Those that contributed, contributed out of their abundance. In other words, they were never going to miss what they gave away. It was just surplus for them, and they were to make themselves look good and to appease the people they, they gave, because that was expected. And so they gave. And that's the only reason they gave. But this poor widow, you would say, well, she was foolish for giving all she had. Why did she keep it and to buy more food or something, you know? But this poor widow, she knew her source of strength. She knew her source of devotion. And therefore, she was at the end, so to speak, of of resources, material-wise. But her greatest resource was God. And she gave into that resource. She surrendered and said, Lord, this is all I have. It's all yours. And that was a sacrifice. A true sacrifice. You remember back in the Old Testament where uh, sacrifices were set up. If you were to um, read in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and so forth of how God set up sacrifices. He wanted his people to sacrifice. And part of that sacrificial system was that, they, they, that God wanted the best. He wanted a sheep without blemish. He wanted a goat without disease. He wanted the best. And I think it had to be very hard then for, say, a sheep herder to take his best ram and give it to the Lord. Like, I want to keep this thing and, and, and keep it in my breeding program to up- upgrade my herd. But God was saying to his people, he says, if you give me your best, I will give you my best. I will bless you because you are sacrificing. But if you're not going to give me your best, if you're not going to give me your all, if it's not really going to be a sacrifice but only a, a leftover thing, I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't need it. God doesn't need our money, but he needs our devotion. And oftentimes we think that God needs us, so to speak, but God doesn't need us. He is self-sufficient. He desires for us to sacrifice to him, to surrender to him just as this woman did, this widow. And here was this widow who should have been taken care of by the priests. But they neglected it. They neglected it. Part of their duties was to take care of the widows, that they would not be in this dire situation. But instead of taking care of them, they took advantage of them. All for their own benefit, all for their 
And Christ said there will be a greater condemnation to those who abuse and misuse my name. Several weeks ago, as Pastor Tim was, was preaching out of the book of James, in chapter 1, we read this in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans, widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself from the world. You see, in James' day, it was still happening. As he saw this in the church, that the widows were still being neglected, that the orphans were not being taken care of, and that people kept on living the way they wanted to and, and were trying to be a part of the world, just as these scribes were trying to be a part of the world trying to be adorned with their long robes and their long prayers and so forth, trying to be impressive to the world. But it was disgusting to God. And so even as James writes this letter, as he sees these things going on in the church that he does not like to see, that needs to be corrected, And one of the things that he also sees there is he, as he gets into, into chapter 2 of James. If how, when rich people enter the church and how they say, oh, please sit in this fine seat here for you. Whereas when the poor came into the church, they said, oh, go sit in the back on the floor. In other words, they were catering to the rich and not caring about the poor. Not caring if they ever showed up again. But to the rich, they wanted them to come back because they wanted their money. They wanted to, to make their treasury look good so that they could have a fine church building, that they could have all that they <clears throat> wanted, you know, to make themselves look good. But God despised that, as James brings that out. And so... <clears throat> Here's this woman. Here's this woman, this widow. And what really caught my eye is when Jesus said, she, out of her poverty, put all she had. Out of her poverty, she gave. She didn't have much to give, But she gave. She never said to herself, well, it's useless. Why should I even give two cents worth? You know, when all these other rich people are putting in, you know, hundreds of dollars. Or whatever it may be. Why bother? Because she was devoted to God and she was giving to God. And not to the earthly treasure. Her giving exemplified of her selflessness. Her giving exemplified that she wanted to honor God and not man. 
Perhaps if she would have walked out, perhaps Momsen would have said, why'd you bother? You don't have to come back again if you don't want to. We don't need you. But she gave out of her poverty. And that's the key thing right there, to give out of our poverty. To give out of our poverty. What does that look like? You know, we, we here are, are really very, very blessed, I believe, in this community. We have very little poverty around us, so to speak. Of Yes, there are needs and there are things that go on, but if we ourselves in the church, we're really sitting pretty good. As I look at the bottom line of, of, of Dover's financial statement, it looks pretty good. We have been blessed. We have been blessed. Are we giving out of our poverty? God gave out of his poverty. How so? How so? God was impoverished? You see, God created this earth. God created man. And he designed man so that he would be in the image of God. And being in the image of God, his desire should be to worship God. And as we know that back in the Old Testament, Abraham, the father of our faith, as he's called, he was called after many, many years of waiting for a son. Many, many years. Finally, God blessed him with a son. And as God blessed him with a son, God says, sacrifice him. Wow. But Abraham was obedient. He had another son by his maid wife. Maid servant, I should say. And it was not really the son that God would bless to become the heir of him. Isaac was to be the son to follow him, to be the heir of the faith. And now God calls Abraham to sacrifice him. And Abraham was obedient. He put his son on the altar ready to sacrifice. And in other words, Abraham gave out of his poverty. He had no other, and he was giving it all, all his son. And the same likeness as yet foreshadowed what is to come through Jesus Christ. God, the Father, gave us his son, his only begotten son. 
that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave it all to us, God, the Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ. God, out of his poverty, out of his lackness of no more other sons, there was only one son, only one begotten son, and Jesus Christ. And God, out of his poverty, gave us. But we see there, Paul picks that up. He picks that up and he, he talks to us about that. He says, Second Corinthians 8, 9. It says that, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by you, that by his poverty, you might become rich. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of allowing God the Father to allow His Son to be as sacrifice, to be crucified on our behalf for our sins. And how Jesus walked upon this earth. He didn't own a home. He didn't have a lot of clothes to give because when the day He died, His clothes were thrown up for dice, gambled away. He had next to nothing for possessions. He lived in poverty as he really walked upon this earth. He didn't have a job. He relied on donations from people for him to eat and his disciples. He lived in poverty so that we might become rich, so that we might experience his fullness, his goodness. But you know, We know that as a fact, that God gave His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest, awesome, thanksgiving gift we can ever receive. We are eternally grateful for what God has done for us. And yet at times we don't really take it serious enough. We don't give out of our poverty. We don't give our all. Why don't we? Why don't we? Well, as John 10.10 says, the thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, that you might have it more abundantly. There ends the battle of not to give or to give, to withhold or to release totally. And Satan spreads his lies around, saying, don't give, they really don't need it. They really don't need it. But you know, it's not about need. It's not about need. As much as we want to think about, and even here as, we, as you read Alliance Life, they express need for us to give to missions, which is good. This is good. There's great need out there. And we need to pray about that and seriously consider what God would lay upon our hearts to give so we can keep our mission workers out on the field, 
that we can continue to advance the gospel. So that God can continue to bless because we are giving out of our poverty and not of our abundance. Because God accomplishes far more out of poverty than he does about thick and rich and fat bank accounts. So I ask you, are we giving out of our poverty like this widow did? Or do we say, no, there's not really a great need and I really kind of need it myself, you know? I'll hold back. We can make all kinds of excuses. And it's not about the amount, but it's about our attitude in giving. Thanksgiving, as we will celebrate that this week, it's a wonderful and joyous time. And even though it's somewhat dampened down because of the COVID thing, some families will not be meeting because of that and so forth, and travels can be more limited in in those ways. But Thanksgiving really is, we do have each other as families that gather together. And I pray that as we celebrate Thanksgiving, it's not so much about the feast we have during Thanksgiving, but the sacrifice that was made so that we could have a feast. Because that's what God did for us. That's what God did for us. That we can feast on God's goodness. And therefore, we have the privilege, the honor for His glory to sacrifice out of our poverty. Let us pray. Our Father, we we thank You and we praise You for Your goodness. We thank You for the example of the widow who gave out of her poverty and how she was truly, truly blessed, how You were truly enlightened by her devotion to you for your kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you for example. May we do likewise. May we give out of our poverty, Lord. May we not give out of our abundance, but may we make it a sacrifice to show that we truly do care, that we truly do thank you, are thankful for what we have been blessed with. And so, Lord, help us in these ways that you may bless our giving because we have been blessed to be a blessing. And therefore, may you bless. So, Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who was so generous in giving us your Son, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today here at Dover. And in two weeks, I hope to see you on December 6th. Thank you. God's blessing upon you. Amen. Good. Thank you.